Here on the Draft Dudes podcast, presented by Locked On, it's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Tuesday edition of the show. It is Takes on Takes. It's the 70th episode. Kyle, welcome. My greatest regret in 70 editions of Takes on Takes was not having hit record when we started today so that everyone can enjoy the birthing class tips. Oh, God. That you shared. We're not going to get into it. No. But that you you are changing my entire life perspective <laughs> based on the complications that, that are being presented to you <laughs> with birthing class. Listen, I recommend birthing class for all new parents. It's been very beneficial. It's been very enlightening. Um but man, get into some weird topics. I'll tell you that, brother. You're getting close, real close. I know. Yeah, you're about a month out. A month out, and I think like after like another two weeks, it's it's a day to day proposition. You're on uh, on red alert. Yeah, it's a weird it's a weird spot to be. You know. <laughs> yeah, you think it's funny. so exciting. It's yeah. so exciting. It's exciting, anxious, nervous. Uh, it's a whirlwind, man. But should be amazing. This show should also be amazing because I've read some of the takes we got yeah, today. They're good. They're good. You want the first one? Uh, Yeah, give it to me. From Koto, who says, Koto. yeah, I, uh, with this defense, if Big Ben never gets hurt, the Steelers are the NFL's best team this year. Mm, well, you'd still feasibly have to deal with Potential injuries to Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner. And I think while the upgrade of Big Ben versus Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges is immeasurable. (laughs) Thanks, man. That was good. Oh, shit. Three defensive backs just showed up in my living room. You're dumb. Get You're it dumb. the duck call. I got oh, it. Oh boy. Yes. Um <laughs> I I don't I don't know with the injuries Pittsburgh sustained with their skill players if you could definitively say they're the best team, but they would be uh much more competitive as far as pushing Baltimore in the AFC North. Uh and I think they would potentially be in the running for for playoff seating and potentially beat Baltimore in that game that went to overtime. So yeah, I mean they're they're probably eleven and three right now instead of eight and six. I like that team going in, man. You did, you did. Uh, take from Bush: the abomination of the century is, and I can't believe this is fact. Kiko Alonso is receiving more Pro Bowl votes than Levante David. If Levante played for a winning team, he would be widely considered a future Hall of Famer. Much like his draft mates at linebacker in Bobby Wagner and Luke Keekley. The this has been 
interesting for me to learn over the last like six months as we've kind of engaged in some of these discussions is people responding with, yo, you need to be more in on Levante David and share, they share some statistics and stuff about how their his production is very comparable, if not better in some areas than Wagner and Keegley. And maybe he is a touch underrated when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the elite linebacker discussion. I got to sneeze. <laughs> uh, bless me. Um, <laughs> we're keeping it, aren't we? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> So what are we getting to? Okay, yeah, that's very stupid that Kiko Alonso would have more Pro Bowl votes than Levante David, but how he has like thirty tackles this year. You've got to, you, and no, it's a fan base thing, right? Like this is about your fans going and voting and tweeting and whatever they they do to get these Pro Bowl votes. So like it's that's a a Saints fan showing up the Bucks fans. I mean that's what that is. You know how many starts Kiko has this year? I don't know. Four? Three. <laughs> Get out of here with this. Gotta That's vote. outrageous. Gotta right. vote. Let's let's move on. All right. This one's for you. Uh it this is. is yeah, this is gonna be a microcosm of yesterday, uh, my mock draft. Uh this is from Jacob, turned in by the sports nut, and this is actually in response to my mock draft, Kyle Allen is trash. Justin Herbert is just a taller, more athletic golf. Feel free to quote me on this in a few years. Kyle, I'm going to tell you something right now. Panthers, Panthers fans, fans they, they do not want Justin Herbert. Nope. Nothing to do with him. I, I want to find the fan base that does want Justin Herbert. They're not. They don't exist because there was other fan bases that were letting me know. Yeah, we wouldn't want him either. So if you're if you are a fan of a team that would want Justin Herbert, please let us know, because I cannot for the life of me think off the top of my head, a single fan base. That would actively root for their team to draft Justin Herbert, the char- I gave Justin Herbert to the Chargers in like my last mock draft. And I don't know if there's just not any Chargers fans out there or they don't yeah. care. I, like they, yeah. I didn't hear one thing about it. I give them to the Panthers and I, and I told Rob, who's our graphics guy, at the draft network. I said, I want him as a feature image in a Carolina Panthers uniform. So I definitely stirred the pot there, but man, I thought they would be excited. Like, Oh yeah. Wow. A, new, a new young quarterback. Hellfire and brimstone. Buddy. No. <laughs> yeah. They didn't uh, want him. Just to break this down for Jacob real quick. Uh, yes. Kyle Allen is trash. And uh, it sounds like Will Greer's going to get the start this week. I hope it goes well for Will. Uh, But Kyle has really, the wheels have fallen off the bus as teams have gotten tape on him. So it's not a good sign. Herbert is a taller, more athletic Goff. Well, how much did Goff get paid? (laughs) A lot of money, sir. If you're a taller, more athletic version of that, there's a lot worse things that you could be as an NFL quarterback. (laughs) You know what I mean, though? Yeah. It's like, I think he's got a better arm than Goff, too. Now, if you want to say, well, you, you kind of put him in a box because Goff operates within the, within the McBay box system. Yeah, I understand that there's some limitations there. But Goff has, since a rookie season in which he looked to be as big of a bust as humanly possible under Jeff Fisher... He's done pretty well for himself. There's some limitations there. And, you know, it kind of gets back into what we talked about yesterday, Joe, on the show, talking about 
the Derek Carrs and Andy Daltons and the Ryan Tannehills of the world, and how long are those teams willing to put themselves into into that box? And and what do you have to surround that player with? I think Herbert's a quarterback you can win with at the NFL level, but he's not going to be a transcendent player. Well, someone opinion. someone's taking him in the first round, right? Oh, like, for sure. And and I feel like. I don't know, like Drew Locke is a player that stands out as a guy that we probably thought was going to go in the first round. And I'm trying to think, okay, is there something I'm missing? Is Justin Herbert going to be like a, you know, picked in the 40s or 50s or something like that, like a Locke? And I don't I don't know that I think so, man. I think there's more, there's more there with Herbert. And there's plenty of need. He's more, I think the fact that he's more athletic than, than Locke helps him. Yeah. They both got really strong arms. Um, Locke made more bad decisions than Herbert does. So like you start playing the comparative game where you're like, well, nobody likes Herbert, but you compare Herbert to so-and-so. Right. And and Herbert checks more boxes. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, how about so-and-so? And Herbert checks more boxes. So I, I think he's a top 20, top 25 lock. And he'll probably go to the senior bowl and show really well and have a cannon for an arm yeah. and look really pretty throwing on air. And somebody's going to fall in love with him. Yeah. Somebody fell in love with Daniel Jones. Yeah. <laughs> Is that guy going to have a job in three weeks? <laughs> I think so. I think the Giants are fiercely loyal. Almost like to a fault, right? Yeah. There's a lot of organizations like that. And to, it's, yeah. it's good things with that, but there's... <laughs> There's also clinging to mistakes is the worst thing you can do. Well, I, but I did the blame game for the Giants. I know we're getting off the rails here, but you're pretty familiar with Gettleman based yeah. on being based out of Charlotte. I don't think Gettleman was one of the top three problems in New York this year. And you think about the players that Gettleman's brought in. He's got a perception of player value and how he attacks the draft. Like, He's got a problem with that, but I don't think he's necessarily picked bad players. He's just maybe not maximizing his opportunities in the draft. Do you think that's fair? I mean, you've thought a lot about more about it than I have. So um, without having done done a whole lot of research on you, it, I, you just want to keep the line moving. <laughs> on the show. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's made he's picked. He's got some good players in there. He's not he's not been completely inept. All right. Take from Cameron Spencer. How many takes is Cameron get in this week? Um, this is the only one I picked, I think. Oh, wow. I like getting, this one the most. Getting strict. I like it. Forget wide receiver. The Eagles should double dip at corner in the 2020 NFL draft, selecting Fulton or Diggs in round one, and then either Adebo, A.J. Terrell, Bryce Hall, Jalen Johnson, or Jeff Gladney in round two. There will be plenty of wide receivers to choose from in round three. Yeah, I mean – I th- I think speaking to the depth of the wide receiver class, there's a good chance you can get a good one in the third round. And we've seen a lot of day two receivers specifically, you know, really been productive, especially this year. And here's the thing, though, like the corner class is pretty deep as well. And to me, in the first round, I mean, the Eagles are trending towards a high pick. Like, as much as I like these these corners that were mentioned in first round, like Fulton and Diggs, yeah, like if C.D. Lamb's available or Henry Ruggs is available or Jerry Judy's available, to me that shifts the discussion when it comes to the possibility of receiver, because those receivers are better than that corner that you're going to get. 
So I'm I'm for the double dipping. I mean, they should probably double dip at both positions, get better on the perimeter on both sides of the ball. But I mean, I think you got to see how the things play out. And there's no way it, you're. I mean, if you take to me, if you take take Trayvon Diggs over C.D. Lamb, that's a terrible pick. Right. That's a needs based pick. Right. So yeah, I mean, never mind the benefit that picking a wide receiver of that caliber, right, and the impact it will have for. Carson Wentz. He's throwing a Greg Warden. Who like? Hey, Greg Ward put Josh Norman <laughs> on a poster at the end of yeah. the Sunday's game. I'm game, I'm man. sort of confident I can also put Josh and Norman on a poster. <laughs> Jeez, man, guy's terrible. Hey, hey, real quick, uh, we're talking about double dipping in the draft. Yeah, and I've been thinking about obviously as a Dolphins fan, and I've I've a draft concept that I'd like your thought on real quick. I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it. I've been meaning to do it for like three or four days. All right. It has nothing to do with the Dolphins, but more draft philosophy. All right. Would you agree that there is a difference between addressing a need and investing in a need? Well, sure. Yeah, I do think so. When I think, when I go ahead, I was just going to say, I have a feeling that for me, is going to be a very big part of how I view drafts moving forward now that this concept has kind of become apparent to me and I've really stopped to ask myself the question. Because when you do mock drafts or or as we're doing these how to fix Team X exercises, right? Fans are expecting you to check every single box. And for some of these teams, teams that are really flawed, I think it's more important to not just address every issue, but invest in really fixing the three most pressing issues on your roster versus trying to address versus invest in nine different problems on your roster. See Brandon Bean, uh, 2019 offseason. So you agree with that that concept? Yeah, and I think what Brandon Bean did was literally exactly what you're talking about is being blitzing certain problems and really fixing them, like the offensive line and what he did at receiver. God, now I'm all excited now. I'm looking forward to digging into that more, but now is not the time. <laughs> all right, so Vontel, uh, here we go. My this guy. is yeah, My this guy. is a fun one. He goes, you guys have. Ch- you guys have to choose one for Kyle play football for the Iowa Hawkeyes for four years or play for Adam Gase for four years for Joe playing the hot Florida weather for the Miami hurricanes for four years or play for Adam Gase for four years. I have my opinion here, but I'm go ahead. You first. You said this was fun. This is not fun at all. This, this well, is a fun proposition, but I it, mean, it, I, to, it's easy to me. It's I'm very not easy. playing for, I'm not playing for Adam Gase. Right. I'm not either. I'll go get co- uh, toasty, warm, and tan in Miami and actually develop as a football player and give myself a chance than Adam Gase. And I will go be that stereotypical blue-collar, hard-nosed, strong safety at Iowa. <laughs> and See, that'll be me. You're kind of already that guy, though. Oh. I mean, he's like, you played like football in like central Pennsylvania. Yeah. I've been to central Pennsylvania, man. 
You haven't been to the coal regions, though. <laughs> if I was going to be at Iowa Hawkeye, I was going to have to come from uh, Schuylkill County and be a, a oh. coal cracker. What is this? Is this some kind of Pennsylvania jargon you're throwing at me? That, yeah, I'm throwing yeah, a, lot of, okay. a, lot, a lot of central PA terms at you. Yeah, yeah. All beautiful, right. beautiful Bull, country out there. Yep. Bull, Bull Bittler. Yep. Okay. If the Giants select Jerry Judy or CD Lamb with their first round pick, they will have a top five skill position group. I like this take. So that that would be, I mean, we're assuming Evan Ingram and he's healthy, Saquon Barkley, mm-hmm. Jerry, or uh, one Jerry Judy or CD Lamb, Sterling Shepard, uh, Darius Slayton. It's really good. I mean, um, I wish I felt better about Ingram's health. But yeah, I mean, you've got an elite running back talent. You've got, I mean, a really solid guy in, in Sterling Shepard. Uh, Darius Slayton has really played well down the stretch here, and you got a big-time talent in Judy slash Lamb. I mean, it, it's 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 definitely up there. I mean, if everyone's healthy, I think that's very dynamic. And, and to me, I mean, we could split hairs over who's in the mix, but like, it's top five, top ten. I think that's fair. Any thoughts? Are we good here? It's a shame they don't have a better quarterback. Chill out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. So Jordan Reed said this, and then Haytor said we want Kyle and Joe to chime in here on this podcast, and so we're going to do that. Uh, Jordan said, if all of these head coaching vacancies in college were open, rank them in order of which one you mm. would interest you the most. And. Mm. Uh, I don't. I guess they're in order, but we'll sort them out how we want to. He's got Ohio State, Alabama, Texas, Clemson, USC. Man, I know who one is for me. I know who f- I know who five is for me. Yeah, I do too. USC's five. USC's definitely five. I have no interest. First of all, L.A. hustle and bustle. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're in a a recruiting hotbed, which is nice, but I I don't know that I know they have an athletic director change going on there at USC, but I just feel less strong about the structure that's there. Um, so USC would be five for me. Texas would be four uh, because I think Texas kind of has some perception versus reality issues going on. Right now, I understand they they expect to be quote unquote back and be competing for national championships on an annual basis, but you got to deal with that buzzsaw out in Oklahoma every year. And the Big Twelve has a perception problem nationally as far as if you want to compete. Um, geez, Louise, the, the the top three are tough. I'd like your your input and how you feel on on your list while I think this well, out. Well, uh, for me, I have Clemson at one. Um, I think you've got a wonderful structure that's in place that Dabo's built. You're in the ACC, and I think it's easy to be the class of the ACC every single year. Um, I mean, obviously, my personal familiarity with the Carolinas would make the recruiting component of it something that I can manage. Um, I think they have cool uniforms and colors. Uh, Well-respected. I mean, I, I don't know what the downside is. There's no, There's no, like thorn in your side, right? Like Alabama, you're in the SEC West. In the Big Ten, with if you pick Ohio State as your top choice, you know, you're dealing with very competitive teams over there in that division. 
And, um, you know, I think there's with Ohio State, there's a lot of expectation there that, you know, I think you could you could get you could be on the hot seat quick. I just feel like Clemson would be the spot, man. I agree with USC and Texas is the bottom two here. Um, for number two, I probably go with probably go with Alabama and then Ohio State at three. I would put Alabama at one just because I would want to be on the biggest platform and stage. And I've seen what those facilities look like. <laughs> and you want to talk about also having foundations set for you, Alabama. They can literally pull from anywhere in the country if they want to. But the, uh, the, the way those fans responded to one loss against LSU, I don't, I don't know, man. I love that passion and energy, but like they were calling for his head. They had no idea how to handle everything not being perfect and going their way. They couldn't handle it. Your booze mean nothing. I've seen what makes you cheer. I'm not worried about that. No, at Alabama, yes. I don't know, man. To me, those, I I don't know. I think they're ruthless down there, man. They are ruthless. They they expect perfection, and that means that you're going to be positioned for success. Does it get, give me Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state, Texas, USC is my final. Uh. All right. Take, take from Michael Christopher, uh, three offensive linemen will go in the top nine of the draft this year. Andrew Thomas will be the third one picked, which will be a surprise to most because Wills and Wirfs will go ahead of him because of scheme and pass protection value. He literally just, Michael, you lifted this off of my last mock draft. <laughs> I think there's a good chance of this. This makes it fact. It's fact. Um, I, I guess maybe the 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 challenging piece is I three in the top nine. I mean, there's going to be plenty of need and there's talent available to fill those spots. I mean, that's just a tight that's a tight pick stretch to to you know for three of them to go. You know, I think it'll be close, but I think the basis of this take is very good. Mm-hmm. What is this? You just put this in here, <laughs> and you're going to get it. You're getting this yeah. take, okay? Yeah. Well, Kyle has blitzed my document that I've assembled with this nonsense. He said, from grinding the tape, heard he's a real douche. Uh, He said, the Bills' recent success is going to make Joe Marino an insufferable fanboy. Yes, that is fact. (laughs) Okay, JJ Jackson the second. We're moving on here. Good. The Cowboys blue jerseys are the best in the NFL and the Broncos color rush helmets are the best helmets. Is the Broncos color rush helmets like the modern the looking D? No, yeah, it's, the, no, because they root the, the, the original throwback helmets better. Like they doctored up that helmet and made it worse. And it looks bad with those uniforms. Well, they're handcuffed because the, it you're yeah, not allowed to change Stupid. helmet shells. Okay, that's never, never mind the fact that college teams fit players with six different helmets and fit them for them. But the NFL, with all the money that they have, can't afford more than one helmet per team per player. Get out of here. All right, so I, I'm not I'm not in on that color rush helmet being the best helmet. I'm not. Uh, the Cowboys blue jerseys. I th- we we did a we did a big show on this right over the summer. Yeah, we. I think we both agreed that like the Cowboys uniforms and in, in general were upper echelon, elite, classic, vintage look. But their blue jerseys the best. Oh, well, and they the wore Chargers? they wore the they wore the white pants with them 
uh, against the Rams this past week. They look, they look really nice. They do, but are we ready to say the best jersey no. in the NFL? No. I mean, how, are we going to act like the Chargers powder blues don't exist? Are we going to act like the Panthers black jersey doesn't exist? Patriots throwbacks, Dolphins yeah. throwbacks. Ah. No, I'm selling. Yeah, I'm selling. I'm selling. I like the t- I like the the ideas though. It's fun. Uh, Willie says the this is interesting. The jersey number one should be reserved for players that either won the Heisman, starting quarterback on college football playoff winning team, or first overall pick. All right, so either Heisman Trophy winner, yeah, national champion, or the number one pick. There's a chance that there could be multiple players on the same team that have that. But number right? one, but number one is reserved for only quarterbacks uh, or specialists. So what? Do, what do the what do the uh, the Ravens do? Well, Mar Jackson and Mark Ingram can't be one. They both won the Heisman. Well, Mark Ingram is ineligible to wear the number one because he's not a quarterback. So this is only applicable to quarterbacks. Where do you get that? Where, what do you mean, I don't where think do that's what he that? said. The jersey number one should be reserved for players that either won the Heisman, starting quarterback on a college football playoff winning team, or the first overall pick. Right, but the NFL already has number brackets for positions. Yeah, I, but, oh, so you were thinking that it was within that bracket. Yes. And then, okay, yeah. all right. What if they don't want it? Then they can give it up, but then nobody else is allowed to wear it an interesting i i kind of like the idea of having something that has some prestige to it like what temple like the, yeah I, there's there's a lot of college teams that do it but like even the uh the nf in the nfl like once you win walter payton man of the year you get that badge on your jersey for the yeah. rest of your playing career yeah like that's cool i'm for all yeah. that stuff and i love that temple has the, the toughest nine players in the team are the single digits like that stuff's cool to me number 18 at lsu right yeah, yeah. I'm here for this take. I I can get on board this take. Oh boy, here we go. I oh yeah, I'm totally locked up on this one. Jeez. Why did you Why did you put this in here? Because from I Fisher. wanted to see if you had any takes on it. Well, I was hoping good, I didn't get it. It's a good thing you got it. Do you know anything about this guy? Uh, as a British fan of the draft, dudes, let me give you a p- politically themed hot take. After reelecting Boris Johnson. The British people can be compared to the worst NFL owner, John Snyder or Dan Snyder for their decision making. Uh, Man, we don't get into American politics on this year podcast. I don't think we should touch the British politics, but I will shout out to all of our European listeners. I know we've got a bunch out there. We love interacting with you. We do. do. Man, I'm not touching your politics. (laughs) (laughs) It's always fun to pull up the, uh, we have analytics, right? We could look at the site and we could see who's viewing, not who, but we could see where people are viewing our stuff. And anytime you get on and you see the map, it's really cool to see uh, a bunch of people overseas that are exploring the website. So hat tip to those folks. But uh, I do not, I am not educated enough to have an, an opinion here and therefore I do not have one. I looked them up. He's like what the prime minister of of England and wanted a re-election bid. I'm guessing based on that take. 
I know they just had their election, and I know he just won, and I know a bunch of people were mad. But he look he looks like a mix between um, Mark Davis and Donald Trump. I was thinking he looked like a um, <laughs> cartoon, like a cartoon villain. Yeah, he does. He, he, which is a mix between Mark Davis and Donald Trump in terms of appearance. <laughs> yeah, he looks like that guy that's always trying to abduct the Smurfs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't that's, know what is that's that, that's my Boris Johnson take. There you go. <laughs> oh boy. Oh well. Thanks for listening to the show, everybody. Really appreciate it. And uh, tomorrow is our flex day, so we have uh, the opportunity to get creative. If you have something you'd like to hear us talk about, now would be a great time to send those ideas to at the Joe Marino. We're at Grinding the Tape. I am Kyle Crab signing off with Joe Marino. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast.